Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. So he opens up. And he tells us something we all know. Real life is filled with hurts. Epaphroditus isn't out of the will of God, yet he gets sick almost to death. Life is hurtful. You can't run from it. You can't avoid it. Some of you who have been hurt in relationships, you're trying to avoid it by not getting back in another relationship. You're killing yourself. You're hurting. And the only thing that's going to stop that hurt is forgiveness and getting involved in another relationship. All of us have been hurt at one time or another. Betrayed by best friends, let down by family members in our time of need. Conversely, the best thing to have is a true friend. Someone who will go beyond what we ask of them and not ask for anything in return. Pastor Mark is going over the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians while also telling us about the friends that are helping Paul out. As much as we like to believe we can do this life alone on our own terms, The reality is that God created us to be with one another, and our lives won't be complete until we embrace that fact. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 2 with part 3 of his message, Real Friends. Some of you won't reach out because you had a trusted friend, but they stabbed you in the back. And now you're afraid to trust again. Get over it. Forgive them. Get you a new friend. At the moment, they can't be trusted. That's all right. You know, when we have adultery and we counsel adultery, there's one key problem. It takes time. It takes usually six to nine months to 12 months to get couples through that thing of adultery. They get through it, we do fine. What's the whole issue? Trust. And it can't be rushed. It must be proven. So when we look for people as elders or pastors, what am I looking for? I'm looking for a track record. They have to have proven themselves, and this is exactly what happened. See, how did Timothy become this amazing, reliable man? Because he watched the Apostle Paul, and he mimicked his life. Well, that's... Timothy, number one friend. Look at verse 25. We're introduced to the second friend that Paul has, somebody you're not familiar with. But I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus. Now, if you type that into your computer, you're going to have to add it to the dictionary because it's clueless about who that is. Epaphroditus, my brother, notice, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. Let me just introduce you to who Epaphroditus is. He was a man, a follower of Christ, in the church at Philippi. And the people at Philippi came together, and they said to this Epaphroditus, you're available. 
And I know you'll be willing. I want you to take an offering. So the church took up an offering and sent it to Paul because he's in prison. He doesn't have any way to make any money. And they provided some of the necessities. But they also said this. Not only do we want you to go there, but we want you to stay in Rome and serve Paul by being his personal attendant. So we see another character trait, the fourth one, of a real friend. A real friend is caring. You see, Epaphroditus could have gone and said, I'm doing my duty. Here's the money. Okay, what do you want me to do? I've been assigned to take care of you for a little while. What do you want me to do? I hope it's not too much. See, sometimes we, sometimes we can do things for people because we have to. But that's not a real friend. A real friend cares for the person, not just the activity. You see, Epaphroditus was a caring person. And I know this because Paul calls him my brother, my fellow worker. They're a team. And my fellow soldier. What's the deal with a fellow soldier? Strange term. Do you know that as a family here at CCM, we're fellow soldiers? As you sit here in this service, we're in a battle right now against Satan and his demons. It's a spiritual war. It's going on right now. There's all kinds of things coming in and out of your head right now. And where do you think that came from? Satan. Some of you have almost turned me off. I've been hurt too much. No way I'm trusting again. Where did that thought come from? Satan. By the way, he's a liar. And so as we're in this battle, we understand that this lifestyle of following Jesus is very demanding. And in this battle, I need people who are friends. So do you. You see, we need trustful, reliable, caring, available friends. If you've ever been in the service, you've probably heard in your training this kind of thing. I've got your back. That's a great thing. We need to make sure that we have each other's backs because we have an enemy that's against us. You see, Paul needed both of these friends to do ministry right. The church at Philippi needed Paul's letters. If you take Timothy and Epaphroditus out of Paul's life, he can't send the letter. He can't get news to them and he can't get news back from them. And he can't do life right. But they were soldiers together. We're soldiers together. We're a family. Turn to your neighbor right now and just say, we're family. Go ahead, just tell them, just family. Is that a good thing or not? Is that a good thing or not? That's a good thing. Do you know this? Some people, they don't like a large church. They don't like a large church because too many family members. But let me give you a clue. Here's why you should like a large church. Because you can go up down the road. I'll never choose you. I'll never choose you. I'll never choose. Oh, there's one I'll take. You? No, no, no. You have great choice here. It's okay. Linda and I were out on Thursday night. We went to a, a local restaurant. We were celebrating our 44th anniversary, and I sat down, and we both ordered the early bird. She's used to me doing that, and we just ordered the early bird, and we're enjoying the meal, and this big family comes in next to me. And we noticed it. We just 
We thought it was neat. There was just a huge family, kids and whatever. And they, I think they're telling you from up north or whatever. And, of course, the kids are ordering off the real menu, you know, $45 and $50. I'm thinking, oh, those parents will learn one day when what's happening. You know, our bill's like 55 bucks or something. Their bill's going to be $500. But I looked at them, and they were enjoying life. They liked being with their family. I love being with my wife. Do you love being with family? See, sometimes we think we can do this thing alone. Well, Pastor Mark, I'll show up with the family every three or four weeks, and whenever it kind of fits my schedule. Well, now we're back to I selfish. A lot of people don't realize that God designed the church with shepherds and pastors and elders for a very important reason. I want you to see the scripture in the Old Testament. It's pretty powerful. It's found in the book of Jeremiah. And it says this, God speaking. Then I will appoint responsible shepherds, pastors, elders, teachers. Notice with an S on it. Who will care for them. Care for who? You. The people. And they will never be afraid again. Not a single one will be lost or missing. I, the Lord, have spoken. Do you know that you need a shepherd? You need a human shepherd. You weren't designed to do life without a human shepherd. And on this campus, we have amazing pastors and shepherds and elders. Oh, they're far from perfect because we're just like you. But we've been assigned the role to shepherd you. We want to be your friends. We want to be caring. I believe we are. We want to be available. I know we are. We want to be reliable. What you see is really what you get. And I want to say this, just look me in the eye. I need you. And you need me. And we all need God. And we need each other. We're family. Don't ever forget it. Notice in that verse it said, they will never be afraid again. We're here for you. Paul is going to lay his life down for the churches. I was raised in a home with a pastor dad and a pastor grandfather. I know what's required. And I want to say to you, you have pastors and elders that will lay down their life for you. You're our responsibility. I don't take that lightly. We need your friendship, and you need our friendship. We have to be real people here. See, outside this building, there's so much loneliness. We have to do it right. Thanks for being good sheep as we do this thing together. Well, look at verse 26. Epaphroditus is there. Watch what happens. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because the church at Philippi, you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and he almost died. But God had mercy on him and not only on him, but also on me. Watch these words. I'll come back to it in a moment. To spare me sorrow upon sorrow. 
While serving in Rome, Epaphroditus became sick. In fact, so sick, he almost died. Now, you remember, being sick is miserable, amen? Being sick away from home, super miserable. Being sick without medical care, there he is. Somehow, news had filtered back to Philippi that Epaphroditus was about to die. And notice what Epaphroditus is thinking. He's thinking about the people at home worrying about him, not himself. Wow. Sometimes when I'm sick, he's thinking about me. Give me the chicken soup. You know, we milk it sometimes. Come on. Come on. He is thinking about others. So, no doubt, Paul prayed for him. And God, in his mercy, healed Epaphroditus. But in that verse 27 at the end, we see Paul open his heart. Notice, he says, But God, by healing him, spared me sorrow upon sorrow. So what does that mean? It means that Paul was already hurting. Oh, yes, he's joyful. Yes, he's the one that says we're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. But he's a real guy. He's in prison. He is hurting. He's only got two friends. He's thinking about the church at Rome. None of those people would go, man, I taught them. I laid my life down and they they won't do it. So he's hurting. And God sends him Timothy and Epaphroditus. Now he's going to send Timothy with the letter. And here's Epaphroditus. He's almost dying. And Paul's thinking, well, if Timothy goes and Epaphroditus dies, man, I'm here lonely. And so he opens up. And he tells us something we all know. Real life is filled with hurts. Epaphroditus isn't out of the will of God, yet he gets sick almost to death. Life is hurtful. You can't run from it. You can't avoid it. Some of you who have been hurt in relationships, you're trying to avoid it by not getting back in another relationship. You're killing yourself. You're hurting. And the only thing that's going to stop that hurt is forgiveness and getting involved in another relationship. I want you to write this statement down and you'll understand it. God designed friends to help us with life hurts. If you have to call a friend someday like my dad did, He called an elder in the church and he said, my wife just died. I'm here at the hospital. My two sons are with me. It's two o'clock in the morning. and Can we come over to your house and have you pray for us? I remember the night well. See, we had good friends. One of the deacons in the church. And we went to the house and just wept. Do you have a friend like that? Doesn't matter when. If you're going to go through life, you're going to get hurt. And if you're going to go through life without good friends, you have nobody to turn to when you get hurt. We're here for you. When you go through those difficult times, you need to have real friends. Not casual acquaintances. Oh, by the way, what was your name? You want somebody that knows you. Put their arms around you. Verse 28. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you will be glad and I may have less anxiety. So he's going to send Epaphroditus back now that he's well. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him. Because he almost died for the work of Christ. Risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. 
What does Paul do? Paul shows he's a real friend. He handles Epaphroditus the same way he's going to handle Timothy. Now he's changed it. Epaphroditus, you can take the letter. I'd really rather have you here with me because you've been a real help to me. But to be honest, I'm going to send you back home. Better for your family, better for the church. Here's the letter. And so Paul's a true friend. He's all those characteristics we just showed you about. And he sends him home, probably with the very letter that you have in your hand right now. So what have we seen so far? Well, we've seen that Paul needed people. Epaphroditus needed people. Timothy needed people. We saw what a real person is like. And we saw that we can't do God's will and we can't do life unless we have friends and casual friends and acquaintances and then a few really good friends. But no matter how good a friend you have, no human friend can meet all your needs. My wife has been my wife for 44 years. She can't meet all my needs. No matter how wonderful she And I can't meet all hers. And that brings us to our last point this morning. Write it down. Not only does God need people, not only do people need people, but people need God. All of us have had friends and we know we're human. I've hurt my wife. I've failed my wife. She's failed me. Every friend that sometimes fails us. But the Bible gives us another statement. It's found in Proverbs 18, 24. Look at it. There is a friend. There is a friend. Proverbs 18, 24. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Well, who would that be? It's God in his son, Jesus. You see, as a human, I have one need. My greatest need is forgiveness. Man's greatest need is forgiveness. You see, because I have sin in my life, and that sin will separate me from God forever. See, people are eternal. God knew that, so he sent people a solution. And the solution is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That friend is Jesus Christ. God sent him into this world to die on the cross, be resurrected, so that you could meet someone who could handle your sin problem. Only God, through his Son, can forgive our sin. Only God knows my real heart. Man doesn't know my real heart. You don't know your heart. And we made a great mistake in our world, and it happened way back. We equate Christianity with as a religion. If I come to church, I do my deal... It is not a religion. See, many people acquaint religion as an acquaintance with God. Oh, I know about God. Yeah, I come. I had somebody not long ago say to me, I said, what, do you go to the church regularly? Yeah, I come on those two holidays you guys have. What are the holidays again? Christmas and uh, whatever. And I'm not making fun of them at all. See, what what is Christianity to them? It's religion. Come to church a couple times a year. Christianity is not religion. Christianity is a vibrant personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He has to be our friend. Now, I want you to see a verse that's so powerful. I'm going to give you two quick illustrations, and I'm through. Ecclesiastes 4.10 says this. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. 
Let's take the practical illustration, then we'll take the spiritual. You're out camping. You're doing a little climbing. You're climbing with a friend. All of a sudden, you trip and fall. Your friend's a half mile away. You're yelling. You're screaming. You're stuck. You can't get up. You're between a rock and a hard place. You can't, you, you, there's no one there to help you up. All of a sudden, you hear your friend. Do you know some of you today have no one to help you up as a friend? It's very sad because you're doing life alone. Stop it. We're here for you. You can't do life without friends. We're here to pick you up. When you were born, when I was born, I was born with sin. I sin nature. I sin by my nature. I sin by my practice. So spiritually, that verse says this. Sin will knock me down. Sin always knocks us down. Now, if I'm going to get better, I got to have someone help me up. And what we try is we try to grab hold of religion. We try to grab hold of philosophy. We try to grab hold of enough good works to lift me up. But you can't get up by good works. You can never be good enough. You can't get up by philosophy. All religions are alike. Oh, I'm begged to differ. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And there is a friend who's closer than a brother. And by the way, John 15 said, one of the greatest things a man can do is lay his life down for his friends. Jesus Christ did that for you and for me. And see, there's only some things God can do and then only some things you can do. And all of us were here like this. God did everything he could do. And there's a hand right here above mine. It's the hand of Jesus. And he says, if you'll just grab hold... I'll lift you up. Everything on God's part has been done. There's only some things I can do. God will never grab you and pick you up yourself. You have to acknowledge you need his help. And as we close this morning, if you're here and you've fallen and you're trying to make it back to God on your own, it'll never work. By raising my hand to God, which only I can do, I do it like this. I'm sorry for my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me. You're my solution. I receive the gift and help me to follow you. If you do that up, he will lift you up. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son remains fallen. And one day you will die. Only If Jesus is your friend and Savior, will you go to heaven? Well, Pastor Mark, I'll kind of wait until the day comes that I can make that decision. I don't know anything about the four that just died in the plane crash. I have no idea. See, sometimes you don't have a choice. It's too late. And that's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You have a friend who laid his life down for you. His name is Jesus Christ. He wants to pick you up. Today, Pastor Mark taught about the importance of having friends to get through life's rough patches. We know that everyone has difficult moments. Car breaks down, there's a serious injury or death, and the like. God made us to need friends to help with solving our problems, or to just be there to lend an attentive ear to help us talk through tough times. 
you don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. This concludes the message, Real Friends. Next time, Pastor Mark will begin the teaching, Three Signs of a True Believer. We hope that you will use the instruction you've received today to make it a part of your own life and become the kind of friend the Bible speaks of. People will be blessed, God will be honored, and the world around you will see Jesus through you. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.